seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to the Song of Solomon, chapter 1, and reading for our text, verse 4. If you have one of our free Bibles, that's page 648, 648. Song of Solomon, chapter 1, and verse 4. Draw me, we will run after thee. The king hath brought me into his chambers. We will be glad and rejoice in thee. We will remember thy love more than wine. The upright love thee. And it is specifically the first part. Draw me, we will run after thee. In the Song of Solomon, we have a type or it's a love song of Christ and his church, the bridegroom and the bride. And often it is interwoven between the church speaking and Christ speaking. Sometimes it's hard to discern who it is. This here opens with the church's profession of its love unto Christ. An analogy, the Song of Songs, which is Solomon's, let him, that is Christ, kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for thy love is better than wine. Because of the savour of thy good ointments, thy name is as ointment poured forth, the name of our Lord. Therefore do the virgins, the church members, love thee. Then we have the prayer, draw me, we will run after thee. And it comes to mind that which is said or was said by Moses when Moses so desired the presence of the Lord to go before them. And the Lord did give that assurance. We read it in Exodus 33. And he says, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. And here it is, draw me, we will run after thee. And very often we have the Lord blesses the pastor, blesses one member of the church, it then affects the others as well. It encourages them as well. Or put in another way of the apostle, is the church as a body, like our bodies, if one member of it suffers, if our hand suffers, it hurts, then the other members suffer with it. But then when there is a rejoicing, that affects all the members. The whole uh, body rejoices as well. And the church has a unity that is one together, and they gather round Christ. Unto him shall the gathering of the people be. And with our text then is a prayer. Draw me. Now we might think already what has been expressed in the first part, there is already a drawing because of the savour of his name and good ointments. There's already a profession of the beauty that is seen in Christ by the church and you think that surely she is already drawn. But I know this, that the more 
that we see anything in Christ, the more that we are attracted to him, the more that we will want to be drawn after him. And there will be with God's people always that which is the counter, the flesh is lusting against the spirit so that we cannot do the things that we would. The world is always pulling. It is pulling the other way, it's drawing the other way. And so the church wants a pull in the other direction. And so there is the petition that is put up. We uh, mentioned in uh, prayer concerning the Lord speaking of praying and praying and asking for the Holy Spirit. And we might think, well, if someone is so inclined to be praying for the things of God, they must already have the Spirit. Or we might be tempted the other way and say, I can't pray because I don't know whether I do have the Spirit. But we can be sure of this, that by nature we are dead in trespasses and sins. We have no desire, no inclination, no wanting the things of God or to go further in the things of God at all. And it is when the Lord does begin with us, then we do feel our need, we do feel our lack, and then there are those desires after the Lord. Now we read in John 6, where it very clearly is set forth by our Lord in verse 44, that no man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is the Lord that begins with his people. In John 10 he says, I am come that they might have life. Then he adds this, and that they might have it more abundantly. And so there is life given. You may say when that first life is given, the ear is opened, uh, the want is felt, the desire is there, and that is the beginning of prayer, of longing, of learning, of being taught. And I often think where the, when the Lord began with me, and I could clearly take you to the spot where the Lord did, give me spiritual life where he gave me a desire where there was no desire before and a longing after him changed my whole life from that point. But at that point, I only viewed myself as lost, a sinner, complete ignorance of the things of God, no assurance of salvation, did not believe in the Lord Jesus savingly, but there was life there. And the immediate desire to hear the word, to hear it read, to hear it preached, is totally contrary to what it was before. Now it's very, very different by saying that some people, uh, that some people believe that you can, uh, that all man has some kind of faith or inability, and just by learning and applying the word and being taught through the word, they can come to the new birth and, and come to a knowledge 
of, of the Lord and to be born again. No, the new birth is an instant birth, is instant gift of life. But in that gift of life, what it gives, it gives spiritual life, but it opens the ear and makes that soul willing to be taught. The word of God says they shall all be taught of God. But you need a teachable spirit first and you need life to be able to be taught. And with myself, it was another four years before brought to full faith and assurance and able to put the Lord on in open profession. But in all those four years, the Lord had given me life and I was being taught. I had many prayers and longings and seekings after the Lord. And so uh, when we have the prayer and desire in our text, draw me, yes, there is life given. It's like in John 6, the uh, Father must draw to Christ. There must be that power. There must be a beginning. But I believe and I find myself this drawing is not just at the beginning. It is all the way along the way. And that's where we see it in the Song of Solomon with the Church of God. Will If she is lively, she wants the power, she wants to be drawn after the Lord. And so our Lord is very definite of this. He speaks in John 6, of which we read, uh, explaining how it was that there he was teaching the most sacred, blessed truths, the manna from heaven, and the necessity of eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And there were those that just turned their back. They couldn't receive it. They didn't understand it. They interpreted it in a natural way and they went back and walked no more. And lest the disciples, lest his twelve should be perplexed and troubled about this, then he explains further. And he says in in verse 65, he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given him of my father. And those twelve had seen, they'd seen really a, a practical, a real life example of this. The preacher of preachers speaking and teaching and yet there are some that receive the word and some that just rejected it. And I would say as well that the disciples here, it doesn't indicate that they knew any more than those that went away. But one thing they did know, that the Lord had the words of eternal life, and they were sure of that, and they were sure of who he was, that he was the Christ. And that kept them. It's a good thing. When there's things we don't understand or things that would stumble us, that we have a couple of things that we're absolutely sure on and the Lord has taught us on, we can say, like with the disciples, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. There's one thing they are sure of. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ. It's another thing that thou are sure of, the Son of the living God. And so what is 
Oh my spirit tonight. Now it's whether or not it's at the beginning, whether or not it's at the point of where spiritual life is given, but that soul is not come to faith, not come to assurance or belief as yet, but will. And that prayer to be drawn is so applicable, so suitable to us in, in that time. But if we have come to faith and we know the Lord and know he is ours and know that heaven is our portion, still it is a most suitable and blessed prayer because we feel that pull of the world, we feel we want to know more of the Lord and to be brought closer to him and know him more. We've seen a beauty, but we want to see more and we want to see and feel more of that power of God drawing us unto Christ. Well, I want to look then with the Lord's help this evening. Firstly, two points to be prayed for, and that is the power in being drawn in the first place, and then secondly, specific things that we might be drawn to. And we look at some of those in scriptures for that. And then lastly, the effect, which really is set forth further in this verse, draw me, we will run after thee, and then we will be glad and rejoice in thee. There will be an effect that, that follows. But firstly, the power, draw me. A power of God is an acknowledgement that outside of us, God has a power upon us, an invisible power that is put forth from his people. Power belongeth unto God. The disciples, when they were to go forth, would preach, had to tarry at Jerusalem until they were endued with power from above. And the Thessalonians were known that they didn't receive the word only, but it was in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. They knew something of power. One of our hymns says, My heart will move at thy command. They knew the authority and difference that it would make if God put forth his power upon us. It is vital that we know and believe this, that we're not just thinking that our faith just stands in our strength. It just stands in appropriating the word of God to us or some effort on our own part. But it stands in the power of God. we reminded this morning of one of the illustrations that I have often made the difference between a real faith and a, and a faith that we just have manufactured. And you know, a real faith will support us. It will strengthen us and support us. If it's a faith that we've just imagined or manufactured, we have got to support that. And as we came to chapel this morning, there we saw a chap walking briskly along the road with his walking stick in his hand. He wasn't using it at all. So really it was a burden to him. 
He was carrying it. It wasn't helping him. And I've seen them at Bethesda walk down the corridor holding their walking frame in front of them, lifting it up. and It's a burden to them instead of a help to them. And if the Lord gives faith, and that is by his power, he is the author and finisher of faith, that will support the soul. That will carry the soul. And we will not have to support that. The strength that is given by the Lord, once we know that, once we've known the secret of it, our lives, we'll never forget that. We always remember those times that we've been given such strong faith, such strong belief, and without a doubt at those times. And I know the dear late pastor in New Zealand, when I asked him once about assurance, and he spun on his heel and he said, assurance, have you got assurance? Don't look for it ten minutes later. And what he meant was not that one moment we believe and next minute we don't. One moment we say that we are going to heaven and next moment we're not. But the strength of feeling and belief and persuasion, it is only as the Lord gives that power upon us that we're able to do that. And here is a prayer for the power of God, for the strength of God, for that to exercise upon us. We know what it is to have a magnet and to have, well, we've got a notice board out the side there. And we've got little magnets to hold the notices on the notice board, the notice board is steel. And there's attraction. You've only got to get those magnets close to the board and it, it clicks close to it. And there's many applications of magnets where the strength is, is pulling really every electric motor. There are electromagnets and it's actually pulling that motor around. And we're used to the idea of a power that is unseen but is a power that is there. When we drive our car, we put our foot on the brake. Those of us that are older, we can remember back to the cars with no power assisted brakes, and you had to really press on those brakes to stop the car. It's just linkages and, and no real much assistance at all. And but today it's just a gentle touch and suddenly you've got the car stopping very suddenly and it is uh, a power that is there that is different from us and it is here that the Lord gives that prayer and desire and cry to his people for this power for this help from above and the Lord said ye will not come unto me that ye might have life it's a sad thing we're neglecting the power of God, we just all the time are trying to seek it in our own strength, our own way, instead of seeking that help and power and strength from the Lord. Do you know, in Ephesians, Ephesians 1, the Apostle tells those believers that the power that was put forth in them that made them a believer that brought them from children of wrath to children of God was the same power that raised our Lord from the dead. That is how much power, that is how dead we are 
That is how far off from God, how impossible it could be that we could raise ourselves to spiritual life. But when we have that life, we still need that power from above. The Lord was very clear that no man can keep alive his own soul. And when we have got far off and distant from the Lord and cold and earthbound, maybe sensual, devilish, and our heart is so perverse for the things of God, we need that same power. So this prayer, really without being specific of things that we be drawn to, it is a seeking for the power of God. Draw me. Draw me. May we be helped to pray for that, acknowledging that God does have power over his people. He does and is able to strongly incline their hearts. He can bring his word and apply it to them and bring it to them in such a way like the Thessalonians that they became followers of the Lord and followers, Paul said, of us, the apostles, and that they waited then for God's Son from heaven. It had an effect upon them. And we can look at many of the instances through the early church of the power of God. And we may say in this, a sovereign power of God, because when the word was preached, then as it was in John 6, but this time with the apostles, some believed the word spoken and some believed not. How was it that some had power to believe and some did not? That power to believe was given them of God. We think of how it is set forth in John chapter 1. And we read there, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them which believe, that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Those that are born again, they're born again of the Spirit. And yet in John 3, we're told how gentle that Spirit is, like the wind that blows, we cannot tell from whence it cometh or whither it goeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. We must not think that the power of God is going to be something like Elijah's uh, wind or earthquake or fire, but it is to be as gentle yet powerful. We think of the seasons and all the trees now changing their colours and dropping off. And then when it comes to springtime, then all of the trees are springing forth 
into life, no commotion, no noise, and yet it's all happening just so gently and quietly, imperceptibly. If we sat a chair and we watched a specific leaf, we'd be watching and watching and couldn't notice anything happening. But if you came back in a couple of days, then you'd see the change has been wrought. And sometimes you might go and see a tarmac footpath and there's a bit of tarmac being lifted up and a few days later you come and there's a sprout of green and a seed has sprouted underneath that tarmac in the dark and it's pushed that up. And you think, what a a little weed and it's, it's pushed up that concrete and that tarmac. The power often is gentle and something you might think, well, that is not power, and yet is effectual. It doesn't. And so we must be careful what we are expecting and to lay down lines, not expecting great visions or words from heaven like the Apostle Paul saw from Tarsus. But that power is effectual. Quiet, still small voice, and yet effectual. And we think with the illustration of the magnet, there's no no noise there, but there's a strength that is is felt in it. May we we pray for the power, power that belongeth unto God, that the salvation of the Lord is that which is wrought by God on a sinner's heart and life. And they are what they are by the grace of God and the operation of the Holy Spirit of God. But then there will be specific things that we pray that we might be drawn, drawn to, drawn, draw me, we will run after thee. Our text already has what is this one effect but it is a desire the prayer that we might be drawn after Christ now Lord then testified in the chapter we read in John 6 that no man can come unto me except the father which sent me draw him in Isaiah 53 we are told that our Lord would be as a root out of dry ground. There's no form nor comeliness that we should desire him. In John 6 that we read, we have those having the objection that is not this Jesus, the carpenter's son. They knew him. They were offended at him. And when we bear in mind that this is the natural man, no beauty in Christ, Nothing drawn, not drawn to his teaching. They're offended at him. What makes the difference when a soul does see a beauty, when they are drawn to him, when they are attracted to him? And where the Lord then has given life, where we may have felt it before, but don't feel it now. Remember the church in the Revelation had been accused of this, that they had left their first love. Who was their first love? Christ was their first love. 
They were going after other things. Other things had the priority. Other things were more important. Love of temporal things rather than Christ himself. Instead of the hymn writer, Thou, O Christ, art all I want, all in, all in thee I find. And so when we feel that, when we realise that that is the case, we may see others, we may hear the testimony of others. Sometimes it is very good. You go to a baptising and you hear the testimony of those who have been blessed and favoured and it brings back memories and thought, I was like that once or maybe it makes uh, a godly jealousy and you think, I don't know that. I have not known that. But that is what I want. So draw me, draw me to Christ. And he gives us then a very specific prayer that we are asking the Lord to do for us, to draw us after Christ. This is the Holy Spirit's work to do. The work of Father, Son and Holy Spirit the Father drawing to the Son. But it is the Spirit's work. He shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. The second thing is to be drawn to his word. In Psalm 119, we have many expressions of the love that the psalmist had to the word and the longing that he had unto the word at all times. Now I know if you're like me, it's not every time we read the word of God or come to the house of God that we feel a particular drawing to it or attraction to it. Sometimes a reading might be given out, might have been tonight. Should said, oh, I know that passage. It has been read so often, I know it. And, and there's almost a turning off, there's not a drawing to it. And... When we realise that we are viewing the word very different than we used to or different than others uh, tended to have known it, then our prayer will be to be drawn, drawn to the word. Remember, late sister in faith, uh, Mrs. Jealous, Paul Jealous's mother, in her testimony, when the Lord began with her, she said in the Bible, it was a new book and the hymn book was a new book. Well, it wasn't. It was the same one. But the way that she viewed it, the way she was attracted to it and saw it was different. And where we would have that value and love to the word, be able to walk with the psalmist in Psalm 119, then may our prayer be, draw me, draw me to thy word. Draw me to thy word. The third is a drawing to the people of God. We mentioned the Thessalonians, that they were not only followers of the Lord, but they were followers of us. And we have that with uh, Ruth, that beautiful account in the book of Ruth, how she was drawn to Naomi, her mother-in-law, and that was brought to a head in when she was tried by her to and entice, as it were, to go after uh, Orpah, go after her sister-in-law, she's gone back unto her people and unto her gods, return thou after thy sister-in-law. 
But Ruth says, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also if aught but death part thee and me. And really it's summed up with, Naomi in the, in, in the next verse, when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. Ruth had been so drawn to her, drawn to her, drawn to her God, drawn to her people, and that was a, was a power that, in the contrast there with Orpah, Orpah did not have. And it is a, I always love that first chapter of Ruth, how, how gently Ruth is brought on the way and what actually began it was just love to the people of God, love to one of the, a, a, a relative. I know sometimes you might be tried and think, well, this is the only reason why I'm a Christian. I happen to have an in-law or a relative that is one. And, and that's the only reason why I've been brought to follow in the Lord's ways. But the Lord uses these things. And in account like Ruth, you see the contrast is not equally the same. Those two sisters-in-law, it wasn't the same with them both. Who maketh thee to differ? He that receiveth you receiveth me says our Lord, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. And there is that link that goes from the people of God to the Lord. They're being let go, the disciples. Where did they go? They went to their own company. Why did they go there? They were drawn there. What is the token of a child of God? We know that we pass from death unto life because we love the brethren. Why are we drawn to the brethren? Our love, it draws and draws to the people of God. So may our prayer be that we be drawn, drawn to the people of God. Then there is being drawn to the house of God. In Psalm 84, the psalmist says, How amiable! Are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts? My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. And that's how that psalm begins. How do we feel concerning the house of God? It's a blessed thing to be drawn there. Certainly, Again, when the Lord began with me, instead of wanting to get away from the house of God, I wanted to go on every opportunity. And even joining in with the, the Sunday schools or the prayer meetings, the midweek services, what I would never think of going to before, and it made a profound difference. But there was that aching void the world couldn't feel and that desire to be taught and to hear of the Lord, but... There was that drawing, drawing to the house of God. And you can be sure really if we treat the house of God with 
disdain or contempt or in small views of it and not realising it is the house of the living God or the church of the living God. There's something that is, is, is really wrong. And so may our prayer be that like the psalmist we be drawn, drawn to the assemblies of the people of God, drawn to the house of God. There my best friends, my kindred dwell, there God my Saviour reigns. Unto him shall the gathering of the people be, and we want to be where the Lord's people are, and where the Lord will come, and where the Lord will bless us as well as them. Then there will be a drawing to the ordinances of the house of God, that is, baptism and the Lord's Supper. In my case, even though the order that is set forth, and I knew the order in the word of God, was baptism and the Lord's Supper, yet I was drawn to the Lord's Supper first, and that was what was used to bring me to baptism. And it was under the blessing of the Lord. And it was through one of the little words in the cheering words, reading it in the lunch hour at work, and under the sweet influence and blessing of the Lord in my soul to read, Mr. Oldham, I think it was, put it, there, what think you, humble believer, the bread and the wine, blessed memorials of Christ's dying love. Why do you hesitate to take uh, these emblems? And he put it in a way uh, very similar to that, if not exactly the same. And I knew what I thought of them because the blessing that I was under it beautifully set forth the Lord's death, his sufferings. And I was so drawn then to that ordinance because of what it set forth. He do show forth the Lord's death till he come. And I felt the ordinance did. And it showed forth it so lovely. And so with that drawing to there, I knew that then the right step first was baptism. The Lord will bring each of his people in obedience to his command in that. He that believeth in his baptized shall be saved and to be brought to walk in that path. There's a blessed thing where we are drawn to that. It's very obvious with Philip and the eunuch that as Philip preached to the eunuch, they came to water, that he was drawn to that ordinance. See, here is water what doth hinder me to be baptised? And may our prayer be then, not as an indifferent thing, but to pray that we might be drawn to the ordinances of the house of God. It may be at present we see no attraction, no inclination to walk in that way, no drawing to it at all, but knowing it is the path the Lord has commanded, his people walk in that path. It is a path of obedience to pray that the Lord would give us that drawing and give us that power. And I believe in answer to that, the Lord will gently 
almost imperceptibly give that drawing an attraction and it may be not to direct to the ordinance itself but to what it sets forth to our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ his sufferings, his death, his sacrifice on Calvary's tree and then we see how beautifully that ordinance sets it forth. May we remember these are not man's ordinances. It was our Lord and Saviour that instituted both of them and walked in both of them. And may then our desire be to be uh, drawn to them. Then there is a drawing to heaven itself. We are not to always remain here. God's people are a prepared people for a prepared place. The Apostle, when he wrote to the Philippians in the first chapter, he says that for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labour, Yet what I shall choose I wot not, for I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. You might say, well, we may be young, maybe think that we have many more years in front of us, surely there's time enough to be drawn to heaven we've still got to live here but you know we are citizens of heaven if we are the people of God our conversation is in heaven that is our citizenship is in heaven and if the Lord is preparing us for that place we should have off thoughts of it, a meditation on it. We never know how soon that we shall enter that celestial home. And it is good for us to live in the prospect of that which the Lord has prepared. That inheritance, the glory, the mansions above, the presence of Christ especially, to see him as he is and to be with his people out of reach of sin, of Satan and away from this poor dying world, devoid of this body of death and being given at the last day a new celestial body. The people of God, like we mentioned with the Thessalonians, right from when they were called, was to wait for his son from heaven. When the Lord ascended up into heaven, the angel said that he should come again in like manner. The way that the apostle comforted the Thessalonians when they thought that those who died had perished was to tell them that they were with Christ and when Christ came, they would come with him. So shall we ever be with the Lord. And we were to comfort one another with those words. And so may we pray that we might be drawn, drawn to where we hope to be, drawn to heaven, drawn to be uh, to the place where we shall spend eternity. Draw me, we will run after thee.
So those are just some of the things we may feel that we really desire the Lord would give power and drawing and attraction to. We might this evening feel our hearts so hard and lumpish and dry and earthbound. But there are some of us that know all we need is a touch of the Lord's power and our hearts will move and there will be an immediate difference. For me, we will run after thee. So I want to just briefly think of the last point, the effect we have in our text. We will run after thee. The apostle says, let us run the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus. You have the effect on the one that is drawn. We will be glad and rejoice in thee. We will remember thy love more than wine. The upright love thee. Always when the Lord blesses and meets with his people, there will be an effect. My word shall not return unto me void. It shall accomplish the thing whereto I sent it. And where the Lord uses his word to bless our souls and to draw us to those things that are set before us in the word of God. Remember all of those things that we have spoken of. Christ, his word itself, but his people, his house, his ordinances and heaven. These are all set forth in the word of God. And sometimes it may be that we are drawn to those specific passages drawn to those truths that are so beautifully set forth. And the Lord makes that word precious to us and lovely to us. Thy words, says Jeremiah, were found, and I did eat them. They were to the joy and rejoicing of my soul. The effect of the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. So may our prayer be, that we be given the power of God and that we be drawn in specific things. The Lord gave us specific prayers and that we mark the effect that it has and then we shall know that we have been blessed of the Lord. The Lord has answered our petitions in these specific things he has. We have been drawn to them. Remember the blessing is placed on those that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Not that they are already filled, but that they shall be. But they are blessed while they're being drawn, while they're hungering and while they're thirsting. And it is a blessed thing to know that power of God upon us and to be drawn in his ways and to his people and at last to heaven itself. May the Lord add his blessing. Amen.